Good morning. Good morning. Any of y'all ever had that kind of a conversation before with somebody? Probably on Facebook, if nowhere else, had that kind of conversation. Well, do you recognize that conversation? Because firstly, it's, a, it's kind of a drawn out meme. Uh, but secondly, many of us have probably experienced that conversation in real time. So how do we respond to that? How do we reply to that type of attitude? Why do you hate me? It's not enough anymore for Christians to live and let live. Our culture has been intentionally pushing in a direction where people are either fully in agreement with wickedness or else they're called haters and bigots. And because the nature of, of this narrative, because of that nature that keeps getting pushed, you know, pushed in the world, the number of those professing to be Christian in America anyway, has been dwindling. We are too afraid of being attacked and being maligned because of our faith. And so we sometimes we even try to dissociate ourselves from some of its absolutes because we're afraid that that might offend someone. Well, today's message is on the nature of biblical boldness. The nature of biblical boldness. And uh, we desperately need it today. And, and we're consistently besieged by the evil, satanic lies of our culture. You may have seen the, uh, the passage that was up there just a minute ago. Can we put that back up? It's what Tom read earlier. This is what we need, church. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Those who choose to live righteously will have to also choose to live courageously. Now I want you to let that, that scripture percolate kind of in the back of your mind during today's message. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. And while you're going there, it's been a couple of weeks you know, since, since we last looked at this. So, so just let me remind you of what we looked at the last time that we were in Acts chapter 4. Through Peter and John... God healed a blind man. And so, excuse me, a lame man. I actually wrote blind, but it was lame. He healed a lame man. And so the apostles were preaching the gospel about Jesus. And then they were thrown in jail overnight. And then they preached the gospel again to the, the, the Jewish religious leaders the next day who told them, cut it out. And they said, we can't. <laughs> we have to obey God, not y'all. And so remember that. When I preached two weeks ago, uh, we looked at the fact that knowing the truth leads to boldness, okay? And the week before that, we looked at the nature of truth. Now, Peter and John knew for certain that Jesus had risen from the dead and that he had ascended into heaven. And thus, they understood that everything else that he had said to them was true. Everything he'd said about who he was, everything he'd said about what God was doing through him, all of that was true. And so they knew the truth. But more than that, they belonged to the truth. And that gave them incredible boldness. Christians, today we need boldness to share the gospel just as our forebearers did. So I want you to please follow along. I'm going to read it uh, it's kind of a long passage. I'm not going to have you stand up and read it with me, but I'm, I'm going to read this, so please kind of watch, follow along with your eyes. This is uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, 
who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Father God, we ask in Jesus' name that every person here is infused with the power of your Holy Spirit to be bold and faithful to the truth. And as we look today about what that looks like, what that means, and, and biblically how we should be reacting or responding, rather, to the world, I pray that you will give each person here the ability to be, as Danny said earlier, good soil. That you will plow and break up any, any hard-packed earth, and, and that, Father, you will uh, cause those seeds to take root and bear fruit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, today's message is on both the nature and the nurture of boldness. And not just boldness, but biblical boldness. Now, if you don't know what I mean by nature and nurture, there's this old argument, right, about where our personalities come from and, and different traits about us, whether it's by nature, whether we're born this way, whether it's by nurture, whether we're kind of molded into the shape. Um, so if you're not sure what it means regarding boldness, it's nature is what it looks like. Okay, that's what I'm talking about here. Back with, like when we talked about the nature of truth, we're talking about the nature of boldness, how it behaves while it's nurture are the factors that play into it, okay? In other words, uh, where biblical godly boldness comes from, and, and now I'm going to say this, okay? The first part of today's message is not directly taken from the text. It's not. But I think it's very important for us to know what biblical boldness is and what it is not, okay? So that we can have a clear understanding of what the apostles were praying for. And also uh, so that we don't make the mistake of equating <coughs> the biblical kind of boldness with worldly boldness, okay? Because those are two different things. So let's, let's very quickly examine some of the differences between worldly and godly boldness. Um, remember how boldness is defined as a lack of hesitation or fear in the face uh, of risk or danger? That's what we looked at a couple of weeks or three weeks ago, I guess. Uh, it's also boldness is a refusal to be held back by the opinion or judgment of others. We looked at that. Um, so, so let's just, let's get on the same page right now that being opinionated is not the right kind of boldness, okay? An opinionated person is, is usually very quick to say what he or she thinks regardless of, of who it offends or whether it's helpful. You know, there's a, there's a lot of those type of folks on social media, you know, the keyboard warriors. Um, but we all know some people that are this way in, in real life, in person, right? Some of you may be elbowing your spouses. I don't know, my wife's looking at me. <laughs> Your elbows aren't that long, but I get it. I know. Um, it, listen, it's not a sin to have opinions, okay? But many opinions are sinful. And, and so, so are the ways that we so often share our opinions. So opinionated people, 
are often quick to argue, and they even, they'll even pride themselves on the fact that they always speak their minds. Okay, that's like being proud of incontinence, okay? Because folks, not having a filter is not something to be proud of. It's just not. Always speaking your mind is often not a good thing. In fact, Proverbs 29, 11 tells us that a fool always says what he's thinking. It may be viewed as boldness in the world, but it's really brashness. It's foolishness. I just want everybody to understand that. Okay? However, openness to God and his leading, that, that, that is characteristic of biblical boldness. You know, that's what we've seen from Peter. That's what we've seen from John so far in our, in our text here in Acts. They allow the Lord to use them, and then they do it fearlessly, but they are speaking God's truth. They're not speaking their own opinions, right? It's not their opinion. It's what God said. So that's, that's a difference. It's a really important difference. Another way that we are not to be bold is with prideful arrogance, okay? Now listen, it is absolutely true that a person can be 100% accurate in the content of what they have to say while still being 100% wrong in their attitude and in their behavior and the way they deliver that truth. In other words, you and I, we could go tell people the gospel and give a perfect presentation of the content and still be condescending jerks in the way that we present it. Now, the, the good news about, about the good news with a capital G is that God, God can use that to save someone, you know, no matter how obnoxious the person evangelizing might be. And that's, that's good because, on the other hand, you could be the nicest guy in the world and share a false gospel, and whoever accepts it is going to be every bit as lost as they were when they first heard it, when you first began to speak to them. So, like Paul, we can rejoice that Christ has preached. But let's make it harder for people to hear, excuse me, let's not make it harder for people to hear the gospel over the sound of our own egos. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's speak instead with humility. Humility, that is an important part of presenting truth. Okay? Now, this is important too. Let's not confuse humility with uncertainty because you can know something you can know that you know something and be positive about it and still be humble jesus was humble right in fact knowing what we know about the message that we share should definitely keep us from being proud can we agree on that can we agree that when we know the gospel that should make us humble i don't deserve to go to heaven Neither do you, okay? We deserve an eternity apart from God because of our sinful rebellion, and yet in his great love, the Father sent Jesus, our Savior, to, to die on the cross and to take upon himself the wrath of God that we earned with our sin. And yet, God raised him from the dead. And in doing so, he showed us that we too can rise from the dead if we just do everything right and we're generally just perfect. No, no, that's not right. That's not right. No, if we come to him and turn to him in repentant faith, 
We can't be good enough. Only Jesus is perfect. Only Jesus. Another quality of worldly boldness is self-confidence. You know, a person who, who is actually like really good at arguing, if they've got a quick wit, you know, the, a, a fast mind and maybe an intimidating presence or, or a louder voice, that person, they, they might be exceptionally capable of winning debates, but not necessarily capable of winning souls. You know what I mean? Charm and wit might get a crowd listening, but, but it only works until you come up against a question you can't answer or, or until you run into someone that's smarter than you are, more, has more of an intimidating presence. Listen, we don't need self-confidence to share the truth with boldness. We need God-confidence. Proverbs 3.5 doesn't tell us trust in yourself with all your heart, does it? No. What's it say? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lead on your, on your own understanding. And verse 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. You ever wonder why Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 10 uh, about all the awful things that were going to happen to them? You ever wonder about that? You know, like being beaten and imprisoned and hunted and killed? Doesn't sound like fun. But I think the key, I think the key to that, why he told them that, why he explained that is in verses 19 and 20, when he basically says, when this happens, don't be anxious about how you're to speak or what you're to say, for you uh, are going to have that given to you in the right timing. He says, it's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. One of the, the best examples or illustrations I've heard actually came up in a devotion earlier this week. Corey Ten Boom, you guys know who she is, most of you. Um, she went through incredible persecution from the Nazis from, uh, because she hid Jews along with her family. Her sister was beaten to death by a Nazi guard. And she remembered talking to her dad. She goes, I don't know if I'll be able to stand up for Christ when persecution comes. And her dad said, Corey, when do I give you money before the train ride? Is it three weeks before? And she said, no. You, you give it to me right before it's time to buy the ticket. And he said, and that's what your heavenly father's going to do. He'll give you the strength right when you need it. And I think we need to trust that the Lord is capable of that. He will give us what we need to say. Now, the apostles, they didn't worry about presenting truth. They didn't have to worry about presenting the truth because God has it covered. And God is always right. Amen. He's always right. Th this idea of God's spirit leading us and producing boldness in us, that would actually be a great segue into the nurture of biblical boldness. But before we dive in, I want to share why I believe today's passage is incredibly important. Okay? And please hear me on this, all right? I have a thesis about the church in America and why Christians are still not responding appropriately to the massive shift in our culture. And I, I think it's do partially to be, you know, we're lazy and lukewarm. That's part of the problem. But there's also, there's a huge misunderstanding that we need to wrap our brains around before it's too late. So here's my thesis. For years, people have made statements like, we are a godly nation drifting from her moors. And, and, and while, listen, I see what they're getting at. I think we're way past that point now. Way past, okay? The church has been, we have been approaching 
the rapid secularization of America as though we were Israelites in the Old Testament rather than Christians in the New Testament. And some of us, we seem to think that this country is, is God's chosen nation and we've gone wayward and we need to be set straight again. And listen, folks, we got to recognize this country is not God's chosen nation like Israel was in the Old Testament. Okay? Now the church is. Church it, worldwide. The church is. We are God's chosen people, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, but not America. True believers in America are really trying to be faithful to God. We are not the moral majority, okay? We're the forgiven minority. That is not who this country is. We are surrounded by increasing depravity and senselessness. And while the, the professing church is failing to address it, many churches are, are embracing it. They're giving into it. We have mainline denominations that have, have completely bought into critical race theory and globalism and all of the LGBTQ mess and, 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 the, and abortion and other things that the word of God is in opposition to. So I believe that it is necessary for us to realize that, that our current situation is not that we are a godly nation drifting from her moors, but we, meaning Christians, are salt and light in an increasingly godless society. We are in a culture that is becoming more hostile to the truth with the passing of each day. So instead of pining for the good old days, you know, when, when more people seem to be on our side, let's embrace the challenge that God has put before us. And let, let's, let's love people. And let's speak the truth in love. Even if they reject us. Even if, even if they hate us. I, mean, I, I sincerely hope that if any church in McKinney, Texas is going to become infamous for refusing to compromise God's word. It's going to be Crossroad Christian Church. And some of y'all may have to bail me out of jail. I'm just saying. You got my back? Might be. Might be. What is coming? <laughs> Group plan? <laughs> oh, boy. This is the crossroad wing of our jail. Yeah, boy. It, it, it's what's coming is going to require boldness on our part. We may not end up in prison. Who knows? But I will tell you this. It's going to require boldness just like it did for the apostles. So now, we, we've talked about the nature. Let's talk about the nurture of biblical boldness. In other words, what factors produce biblical boldness? Where, where does it come from? Okay, How do we attain it? And, and now we're going to go back to the text. And I'm sorry for taking such a detour, but I think it's really important for us to kind of gather where we're supposed to be. So when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now remember, this time they didn't get punished, right? Because the Sadducees couldn't figure out how to, how to do it. Without looking bad, because everybody knew. Everybody had seen this formerly lame man walking around, right? So like, we don't know how to punish these guys, so they let them go, right? So the friends this time, the friends are hearing the report from the apostles. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain. Does that sound familiar? That was our opening passage this morning, right? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. I want to pause there. 
okay? Look at how they address the Lord. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. See, they believed that God was fully in control. And that helped them to be courageous in the face of hostility. And so biblical boldness is nurtured by trusting in God's sovereignty. Trusting in God's sovereignty. If you, if you know that you're on the side of the guy that holds all the cards, doesn't that kind of give you a sense of security? <laughs> well, it absolutely should. Then they credit the Lord for his spirit speaking through David, which I, I want to talk about really quickly here. The passage that they're quoting from is Psalm chapter 2, which I read earlier this morning, where David writes, basically he says, all the rulers of the earth, all the kings of the earth are banding together in an attempt to defeat God. What a joke. And in heaven, God laughs at them. I, I want to reread that psalm, okay? So, so please bear with me. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus. But you're right. We're included in that too now, okay? Saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Because they don't want anybody telling them what, what to do, right? Even if he's the creator of everything, okay? He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. They will speak to him, excuse me, he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, the holy hill. And at the time this is written, this description fits King David. But it was pointing to a future king. Amen? Who was going to rule from Zion. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me. Now this time it says the Lord. That is the word Yahweh in Hebrew. And so this is, this is uh, Jesus Saying, this is through, through David, this is the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit saying that this is what God says. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This is the part where, where the nation of Israel expects the Messiah to come in force, right? Because they've been reading this. They, they didn't expect, they didn't realize that, that the first incarnation of Christ was so that he could die for the sins of his people, right? But the second time, it's going to be just like David writes here. Just like it. He will annihilate the wicked. He will rule the nations. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. You kind of see why the apostles were quoting this passage? I mean, firstly, it's, it's a clear foreshadowing of Jesus and how the nations of the earth are going to try to work together against him, which, guess what? That's happening. 
And the, 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 the apostles were rightly understanding that this is exactly what God had prophesied would happen in advance. He had determined it would happen in advance. And so while, while they, they applied David's prophecy here to Jesus, it was clear that God was not only in charge, but they were also, with their very own eyes, they were observing his prophecy unfolding right in front of them. And folks, it, it, is, it is a very encouraging thing to know that God is not only over all of creation, but also that he works in and through his creation to bring about the very precise result that he has predetermined. That's kind of cool. God said, this is what's going to happen because I planned it way before you ever even heard about it. If he has this kind of power, you know, if God has that kind of authority over history, and if God has promised that he's going to be with his disciples unto the end of the age, then we should ask along with Paul, if God is for us, right? And what could man do to me? The disciples certainly understood that what they were experiencing was supposed to be comforting because they knew this was all in God's preordained timing. And this is brought to the forefront of what they say next. Um, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your Holy Spirit, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, that, that's the, the, the Jewish leader and the Gentile leader, right? Along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, bear in mind, really quickly, bear in mind, okay? Herod and Pontius Pilate had been at odds with each other until Jesus came along. And they became friends with the persecution of Jesus. The kings of the earth band together. Think about that. Anyway, so they had come along to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. You see that? See, once again, we're reminded that this was God's plan all along. The, for the second person of the triune Godhead to become a human being and to die for our sake. Church, our boldness is nurtured by watching things happen that God said would happen. And this is why we ought to be encouraged, you know, by, by all this, this darkness that we're seeing on the horizon. It's not a surprise to God. In fact, it, it's part of his, his master plan. When we see this coming, it shouldn't scare us. It should embolden us. It's also encouraging to consider as the apostles prayed to remember that Jesus endured persecution before any of them were asked to. You remember this, right? By the way, that, that's a sign. That's a sign of God's great leadership. No great leader will ask something uh, of one of his followers that he hasn't or wouldn't do himself. The fact that Jesus went through a terrible, horrifying experience at the hands of, of, of human governments, okay, it showed that it, it could be endured. It showed that it could be overcome through the power of of the Holy Spirit of God. And so Jesus' example, uh, it gave them strength. And Jesus' example should give us strength too. You know, as well as the examples of all of his apostles and these disciples and the things that they went through. So let's keep on. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants 
to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, this, this passage contains, you know, perhaps the most obvious way that boldness is nurtured, but we don't always think about it, okay? Simply because um, we feel like, I think sometimes we think, well, we ought to be brave just because we belong to the truth. Listen, the fact remains that boldness comes from when we ask God for it. It comes from the Father of lights, like every other good gift. Over and over in scriptures, Jesus told his disciples to ask in his name in order to receive, which means to ask for what is in accordance with his will. And Jesus wants us to be bold, right? So this is in accordance with his will. So it makes sense that we should ask him. We should ask him for boldness so that we can live righteously and boldness so that we can teach righteousness because that honors him. And it brings people out of the darkness and into the light so that God can save them. So we ought to ask God, just like they did, to grant his servants to continue to speak his word with boldness. By the way, that's important that we realize that we are his servants, not the other way around, right? He's not, he's not our genie. Okay, we are, we are his servants. But let's remember that the good master provides the necessary tools for his servants to accomplish their given tasks. Notice also that they ask God to provide miraculous signs, right? Wonders to prove that he's with them. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay, when was the last time that you asked God to do something miraculous to remind you that he's there? I mean, most of us probably don't do that, right? We get concerned about putting the Lord to the test, or maybe we're afraid of what he's going to say. <laughs> or, or maybe, um, when was the last time you asked God to help you reach someone who is doubting, you know, that he's there? Y'all, I think miracles were a lot more common in the early church, but I do believe that they still happen today. And, and you know, sometimes it, it takes the shape of, of what seems like a marvelous coincidence. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I don't really believe in coincidence. Sometimes, though, maybe it's, it's a, a dark spot that's disappearing from an MRI before there's any treatment. You know, sometimes it's simply the moving of someone's heart from being an enemy of God to being a son of God. That's a pretty big miracle in itself. But our boldness is nurtured by experiencing his power at work. I don't know if we're open enough to noticing God's hand, folks. You know, sometimes I, I, think, I think we write things off, you know, without realizing that God was giving us a display of his glory. And we're like, wow, that was interesting how that, you know, that grapefruit-sized tumor just disappeared from that toddler. It's not a coincidence. I think we need, to, we need to keep our eyes open, keep our ears open so that we don't miss the times and then and the, and the places where God reveals himself through mighty works. And let's pray for him 
to do more of them, right? Let's pray for that so, so that we can grow in our courage to share the gospel and so we can speak truth to a, a rotten, corrupt, dying world. And, and speaking of God's power, and when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The place where they were gathered together was shaken. I think it's interesting that God sometimes shows his power in an earthquake. You know, you remember when, when Jesus gave up his spirit and the temple curtain was ripped in two and the rocks shattered with an earthquake? You remember when God was showing his power to Elijah in the cave and he sent an earthquake that cracked rocks in two? Then a quiet whisper later. But by itself, by itself, an earthquake would just seem like, you know, kind of an odd happenstance if it weren't for the fact, for the way that God manifested in his people. Because along with that earthquake, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then continued to speak the word of God with boldness, it says. Church, boldness comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Boldness comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, I'm not just referring to the Holy Spirit's indwelling of believers, because these guys were all believers already. They had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He, he is always present in those who belong to Christ Jesus through faith. But, but like the apostles, if we pray for boldness, God apparently provides an extra measure of the Spirit, a more powerful presence. And when we feel God with us, it gives us boldness, courage, strength. Purpose. Power. This is not, it's not of ourselves. This is not to glorify ourselves, but to show and tell Jesus to the world. the greatest show and tell you'll ever experience to show and tell Jesus to the world and we should pray because things you know as things continue to get more dicey we should pray that God will fill us with boldness and his spirit so that we can stand in opposition to the enemies of God and perhaps through us he'll save someone else right perhaps through our boldness he will save another person another soul from an eternity in hell to an eternity with him. And by the way, that, that word I said, us, that word is, is really, really important. No one is intended to do the Christian life alone, friends. Nobody, okay? Notice that word shows up both at the beginning, kind of, and the end of this, of this chunk. The word together. They were all together in one place when they prayed. And they were gathered together when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, church, biblical boldness. It comes from being together as a church, being united in presence, united in purpose. We encourage one another by worshiping together, by fellowshipping together, by praying together, by serving alongside one another. We, some of us saw that last week. By evangelizing together. And we're even encouraged by standing with one another as we go through times of suffering. You realize that? I'm going to say that again. I'm not sure we grasp that. We are encouraged 
by standing together through times of suffering. You remember when, when Bruce got cancer three times and all and then got hit by a car on top of that? But it, while he was walking, the car was okay. Don't worry. Bruce is, is so tough. Anyway, but, but he all, all through the, he and Patty continued to glorify God through that whole process. Didn't you draw strength from that? You know, and, and when, uh, when you see Terry, who has been through so much struggle, continuing to worship despite that difficulty, and Lloyd faithfully, you know, helping her, doesn't that encourage you? There's a great line in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 14, where Paul, writing from prison, says this, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So knowing what each other is going through and, and watching one another continuing to honor God through tough times and circumstances, that is a massive blessing, guys. That is a huge boon, a huge benefit to us. To be able to be a part of that. To be able to help bear one another's burdens. And it boosts our ability to boldly and faithfully follow Christ. Do you realize that? You know, we have a common Lord and Savior. We have a common mission. We have a common love. And being together emboldens us. I want to look at that picture again. Look, look at this picture. Beautiful powerful, dangerous animals. You know, they're, they're, they're deadly. They're, they're formidable when they're alone, certainly. Okay? But, but as a pack, unstoppable. I remember reading one time, um, it's, in fact, I think it was last week as I was preparing this sermon, but I, I was reading uh, that a, a tiger, which is quite a bit bigger than a lion, by the way, is only, uh, is only effective about 5% of the time when it hunts. Lions are actually a lot more effective, even when they're alone, for whatever reason, but when they're banded together, way more effective on a hunt. They can bring down prey way bigger than themselves. They have a much higher success rate because they work as a team. Guys, just imagine if all Christians were living out the righteousness that we had in Christ. We'd be bold as lions, wouldn't we? Because remember, your righteousness, it's, it's not based in your own performance. Now, your performance should show that you've been given the righteousness of Christ. But we've been given the righteousness of Christ. And if we have that righteousness, should we not be bold as lions? The wicked flee, the wicked run, though no one pursues. Have you seen that t-shirt, that's why I don't jog? <laughs> The wicked, the wicked run, though no one pursues, but the righteous stand firm because they're bold as lions. Let's stand together, church. Let's be bold. The world is hostile. They're going to keep calling us haters. We're not bold because we hate them. We're bold because they love them. If we didn't care, we'd just keep our trap shut. We don't want to see people spiraling down into depravity. We don't want to see people saying that, that, that sexual immorality is okay or, you know, well, lying's not that big of a deal. Or We don't want people to, to, to just get away with living as though there was no Lord. We don't want that because we don't want them to go to hell. We want them to believe in the Jesus that we believe in. 
We want them to put their faith in the Christ who died on the cross for their sins and my sins and your sins and who rose from the dead because he was, a, he was our proof, proof of life. This morning, if there's anybody here who has not yet received Jesus Christ by grace through faith, you need to. You need to do that. Your first step in obedience to Christ is to be baptized by immersion. That is what the Bible teaches. You confess your faith and you get baptized. And that is kind of your, your starting point of your race of faith. And then you spend the rest of your life learning to obey Christ and to continue to persevere in the face of a hostile world. And it's not going to be easy, but you have a family. And I'm not talking about your earthly family. I'm talking about this one. Your heavenly family that is still here on earth with you. We have each other. We're a pride. We're a pack. And God's going to give us that boldness if we stand firm. I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning. Actually, I'm not going to give you anything. God's going to give you the opportunity this morning. Um, if you have not received the sacrament of Christian baptism, I, I urge you to, to choose to do so. Don't keep putting it off. Don't do that. Do what God says. And if you've gone through those steps and you, you realize, man, I am really a chicken, guess what? You can go from chicken to lion. You have to receive that righteousness by faith. And if you say, well, I, I've already received by faith my, my salvation, but I'm just not bold. Listen, you can be bold. It doesn't mean you're not afraid. It means in the face of risk or danger, you stand firm. It means not letting yourself be silenced by the opinion and judgment of other people. Satan cannot stop the gospel. He can't. Every time he tries, every time there's a real outbreak of persecution, guess what happens? The gospel spreads. It spreads more than COVID. There are places in the world right now where the gospel is exploding. You know what one of the greatest ones is right now? Iran. Iran is where the church is blowing up right now. And I don't mean it in the other way, that it's also happening some too. Okay? I'm, I'm sorry. That's, it's, it's sad, but it's true. There are people that are actually trying to kill Christians and blow up churches and things like that. But Christianity is exploding there because it's it, because people are under persecution. I think that the, the first time in 150 years that we might see a real enlightenment, a real revival of the Holy Spirit in the church is going to be from persecution. So maybe we should even start praying that God will send it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, normally we do an invitation hymn and then pray. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to do the invitation hymn. And then if nobody comes up, we'll go straight into the last one, okay? Um, let's bow. God, I, I just, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Father, for the incredible power, Lord, that you've given us by putting your Holy Spirit in us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And we, Father, we are so... Um, we're so weak sometimes, you know, to, uh, to the fact that we have, we're, so, we're, we're ignorant or, or maybe we just ignore it. But God, you've given us this power. Help us to stand firm in the face of it. If, if we can't do it now when there's not really any persecution going on of any major significance, then we're certainly not going to do it when there's real persecution. And so I pray that you will give us that strength and help us, Lord, to, to stand firm and, and to, to step forward and to show people the truth about Jesus. Not because we just have to be right, because it, who cares about 
just being right. It's about being righteous by grace through faith in Jesus. We don't want these, these folks around us whom we love, who we, we see, and who we try to serve. We don't want to see them going to hell, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that if there's anyone here that, that is on the path to hell, that you will convict their heart. If there's anybody watching online that's on the path to hell, convict their heart, open their mind to see the truth, reveal, open their eyes, reveal yourself to them. And Father God, uh, we know we want to be obedient, and I pray that you'll help us to be obedient to your word, whatever it says, whatever that requires. And I thank you that your word and your spirit give us boldness because we are weak. I am weak. We are afraid. But you give us power. We do that through your precious blood of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.